Hello, welcome to Mark Langley's Horsemanship Podcast, a podcast helping people to understand their horses better, to provide solutions in a calm, connected way. I'm Jenny Barnes. And I'm Mark Langley. Hey Mark, the first question for this week is your opinion on handling foals. When do you think is the best age to start halter training? Which isn't necessarily the same thing, is it? Yeah, well handling, you can always start a bit of handling and, and stuff like that when they're really little. Um, I know there's ways that people put you know, little harnesses on them so they don't hurt them or anything by putting holders on them and stuff like that. Uh, so they get them sort of leading and handled at a really young age. Um, I, I mean, there's lots of sort of theories on everything. I, me, myself, I, I um, really let the foals get to an older age. So, so, so at home here, and this, obviously we, we, we don't, we're not big time breeders who breed horses and you know, have to have that, you know, this, this whole, whole thing. We, we, we just, uh, you know, nowadays we only produce a couple of foals a year. Um, but ideally we actually, they don't wean until they're sort of closer to 12 months. Um, so, but between six and 12 months is when I'd probably get that handling on while they're still with their mum. So six months old, they're, they're, they're bigger, they're stronger, they're, you know, but, but that's when I'd probably start to put a holder on them and lead them and stuff like that. Before that though, there's no problem in going out with the mum and, you know, just getting the foal a little interested by standing there. They're so curious, little animals, that they'll come up. If you're friends with that herd and mum and all that sort of thing, well, they're only just going to come up and say hello to you because that's what they do. So if they're with a mum that's quite scary, like, a, say, say if you, you know, like, we, you know, we've got some old mares that, that, that have, you know, come from the past and they're always a bit wary of people. And, you know, they'll put that in their foals because you want to go and touch the mare and the mare walks off with the foal, the foal starts to get, get, get wary like its mum. So, so, so it's really good to have, have them around a fairly curious herd of horses. You know, if you just got all your, your mares not quiet, then they're, they're going to walk off and the foals will be instinctually, you know, see danger in humans. So, you know, if you do have a mare that's a bit like that and the foal's a bit, you know, she takes, she, she, she'd be inclined to be, um, then, then, then maybe have, have that mare in a herd of other quieter horses who are quite, you know, interested because the mare will only sort of stay away a little bit. And the other horses will come up and check you out, and the foal will be in there going, "Well, what are they doing? I just want to check check you out a bit too." So maybe you can use those other quieter horses around that mare and foal to get the foal a little interested, so it doesn't just believe what his mum says all the time, or his or she says what his mum says all the time. So, so, but basically, when they come up to you as little as as little babies, right from 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 when they're born, right upwards, then then basically what I would say is just let them come in, get a little interested in you, but. Um, I, I would always tend to walk away before they walk away. Keep that little bit of interest and curiosity. Maybe let them play with you a little bit, let them go hello, hello, and then just walk away and say I'm not interested anymore. Um, and then come in again and let them be interested and then walk away and say I'm not interested anymore. So you break the conversation off, not them just go, I'm playing with you and I'm not interested with you anymore, I'm going to walk over here. And that's really good because what it does is it tells them also about body language that I've turned the conversation off. and. And also in that, uh, when a foal, the little foal gets a little bit like uh, pushy on you or something like that, you can just, you know, you can you can expand your boundary and say, no, no, you can't push through me. I'm a person, didn't you know that? And they go, oh, I can't push through you. But I'm still curious in you and things like that. So you can get some stuff established, um, you know, around them. And also even little things like, you know, if they are pretty nice little foals, you can sort of maybe put your hand on them 
and they can push against your hand a little and push against it and then you can just got to keep a little feel until they softly yield a little and then and then they've learned a little bit of a yielding lesson so then they don't sort of suddenly fight pressure because in, in with their mum and stuff like that when she folds off to the right or the left those those folds will yield off her feel and energy and also the feel of her as she pushes across if they've missed it so so there's no problem with a, um, so a foal yielding off a little so, so so then later we can put a rope on them but it's it's about that six months onwards that I start to put a rope around their neck and the first rope's just a long rope with that's not attached and just around their mum I'll just put a rope around their neck get them to, to just just follow the feel or bring their thoughts into where I've, I've pulled the rope towards me and just they, they think in a little and then I get them to think in and then step in and just yield a little to that feel uh, maybe a few days of doing that things like that and they can carry a rope over their back and or a stick you can have a long stick and just gently touch them over while, while you're, you're still you know leading their mum around and then um, yeah there's no problems then to put a holder on them and because your mum's their mum's there with you um, they're not going to run off so much so you just sort of use your mum to maybe help them lead a little sometimes you know so they can just lead a little and you put a little feel on them um, but I like leaving them be horses for a while not overdoing the handling when they're super little babies I'd rather let them grow up a little bit and then but at least by the time you wean them then, then things are a bit safer that you can go and deal with them if something goes wrong or something like that um, but yeah the reason we weaned at 12 months is because um, by that time they've established confidence and they're out with the other horses, they're going out making friends and things like that and they're, they're quite independent and then when they're quite independent the whole process is a lot easier and by that stage the mum would be nearly, nearly saying okay, you know, maybe time to go. Yeah, anywhere from 8, eight to 12 months mm. with our foals generally. Depend yeah. yeah, so they, once they start showing that independence and interest in, in uh, toddling off and having conversations with other horses, that's always a good sign. Yeah. Okay, staying on the ground, the next question is from Sarah. Um, what is the best way to get her horse to stand still for the farrier, just for barefoot training? Okay, so my, one of my things that I say to everyone is, especially when it comes to foot handling or anything, getting on a horse on a mounting block, same thing, is don't, don't look at how the horse stands, look at how it moves. So... Um, Probably there's a, probably a lot of reasons. The, the, the problem with how can I get my horse to stand is there could be two reasons. Is one reason is your horse is just a bit disconnected and looks around and kind of goes, oh yeah, right. What's happening over there? I need my foot to walk over there. Or uh, one of those quite but curious sort of bouncy-minded horses like we had one just at the last clinic. Young horse. I didn't think there was any fear in picking up its feet or anything like that, but it just really didn't want to hold its feet up for too long. It wanted its feet back so I could rebalance and walk off or do something else or you know yeah you know, so it's very um a little bit immature in its mind in the sense that it, it couldn't center very well so if that was the case then you would basically teach your horse to center more so you know if it zones out every time you distract it you'd say let go of that thought uh center here and you'd, you'd sort of discipline it in a way that um gets its uh, focal discipline in your horse so so, so your horse is more comfortable at, or, or or um it, it's showing more responsibility at keeping emotionally present in in the environment around you so and you don't have to pick your horse's feet up to do that you just you just sort of say can you stand in this environment and can I stand at your hip can I stand at your ribs can I stand everywhere where the farrier is going to stand without without having to pick up the feet just yet and can you just stand quietly here so if it's one of those horses that are just bouncing around all the time you just say let go of that and then you just stand quietly until the horse goes oh 
I understand now. I'm going to keep my thoughts here. So you can pick up a field to do that. If the field doesn't work, you can bang your leg. You can you can just pop a flag, whatever, and just just get it so it's so it's more present. And then when a horse's mind is not elsewhere, it doesn't need its feet to follow its thoughts. So basically, it'll give its feet when its thoughts are in that same environment as you or the farrier. Um, so if it's a nervous horse, and that's why it's not standing, it could be standing with a brace, and then suddenly, because it's nervous, it's going, I'm going to go over there with my thoughts, and I need my feet back, and it's going to pull away. So the nervous horses, um, I would do, it's very similar to a mounting block lesson, as you just get the horse to lead past you, and you handle it, and you find out all the braces. So basically, as the eye goes past, it'll get a little hard. You're like a more centered place, so you're walking backwards quietly, but not pushing into it maybe even drawing it a little, I say stepping away from it so you're not imposing too much of yourself on them and you walk them past you and if you say their eye harden on one particular eye or they get a little nervous whilst they're walking then it's important that you teach them to move past you by leading them past you till their whole body is soft and they feel good at every part of their body right to their tail and they can move softly and you can get to a stage that you can send them in a straight line and you can rub them on the hip on both sides so for the nervous horses I would tend to work them moving softly following a feel past me until they can do that on both sides and when a horse can move softly beside you with you in all different positions then it can stand softly there but horses that stand there braced well they're only ready to move so um, if you don't have a degree in um, reading a horse that's standing still thinking all these different thoughts just get them to move their feet as soon as they move their feet you'll find out 90% of the truth of how they feel by the way they move their feet and how heavy how braced how stiff they are how they crab away that basically will tell you most of the truth if you couldn't read it in the way they were standing you know because sometimes it's hard for people get in to work out oh my horse is shut down what's it want to do um, or you know, a shut down horse may not want to move its feet and it braces but when it does it, it moves with a rigid kind of evasive movement. So if you teach them to move and then softly get them to handle you and you handle them at the same time whilst they're moving then they go oh this moving and handling is easy, you can handle me everywhere and then all of a sudden you stop them and go can I handle your foot and they go oh sure because I can handle your movement, handling me when I'm moving so handling standing still is easy and then you know when they move you've seen them move, move so many times when you're close to them and they're not frightened so you know the movement's going to be possibly more of a soft movement than just a hard movement and I think that's it you just so yeah they're either distracted or they're nervous distracted or nervous tight wanting to get away from 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 the person so yeah it's just move and handling um, just regulating or expose them in little increments to different parts down the sides um, or if they're just an evasive distracted horse you know get them more centered and connected Sarah there is a video on that on the membership too about getting a horse ready and have its feet picked up so just do a search in the search bar on that one yeah the one the one the one there's the one in the young horse handling I think which is um which is good for young horses and stuff like that but uh, also through through the um, membership videos there's a lot of videos on getting horses to lead by uh, and also the nervous ones and then they're the ones in particular that are good for the if it's a nervous horse okay the next question is from Katie Kate says um, her question is around building fitness and strength what's the difference between challenging a horse versus asking too much what fatigue and muscle soreness indicators would you watch out for 
Okay, well, I'm going to help you with the question if some things that gets a horse fitter. Um, um, so, if you're asking too much or not, um, it, I, I, I don't know what you're aiming for with your horse. So, um, but but basically, what happens? I've seen we. I did a ride years ago. Um, it was a multiple sclerosis ride, and probably a lot of people in Australia go, oh, I remember that ride because hundreds of people went on it. Um, and so what what happened was was some horses weren't fit enough. They had a lot of food. Uh, they were big, big, big horses, but they weren't fit enough. So one turned to jelly, you know, um, just froze. You know, the, the biggest muscle fatigue you see in horses is when they've been strained too much and they tie up. So basically, I think it's, a, it's an acid, lactic acid build up through their muscles. And, and I've heard of horses being having to be put down because of it because they just went out and they worked on a hot day, worked their horse hard, and then they just tie up the next day. So the worst fatigue you're going to see in horses is muscle tying up. And, and, and they freeze up, but they can't move. You've got to lead them, they won't move. So that's the one you don't want. So I'm not going to go into the detail of foods. You have to look into that. You know, you, you'll have to go on the internet and search, you know, better foods for horses that obviously... Um, talk to your vet. Yeah, talk to your vet, things like that. That sort of stuff I'd, I'd look into. But basically, you know, if, you, if you're going out every morning and you've been working, you've been educating your horse and uh, you've been building fitness on it and it's coming in quite stiff and sore, you might be overdoing it. Um, you you want to only build them so they can, you know, but, and you've also got to spend, just like humans, you've got to spend another time loosening up and loosening down. Okay, so loosening to before you maybe build a little bit more exercise and then... And um, so, so I, I used to start a lot of endurance horses and, and, and the, the people that I know of that went overseas to train endurance horses and help build endurance horses and were, were working in also in Australia building endurance horses. And I think if you wanted to look into fitness and um, looking into how they build endurance horses is quite, quite good because um, the biggest aim within any endurance competitor is the horse stays sound. So soundness is a big thing because they... they, they to, to, to have a competitive endurance horses they can't vet out so so their 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 their, their fitness program is designed to build a horse's feet bone muscle you know to now I'm not going to talk about how they carry themselves because there's, there's a lot could be done in getting them to carry themselves better and and so so but but what I'm going to talk about in the early stages of building endurance horses is the amount of kilometers you know they might do at a walk and just at a trot and things like that. Um, so, so the the person that I remember her telling me, so she said to get good horses that she used to spend a lot of time on the youngsters doing a lot of walking. And I think if you did a lot of walking to start with to build that, you, you're loosening your horse up. But what I would also throw in is I'm an educator of horses and horses' minds, and 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 to be to to have a horse that's going to get really fit, I think they have to carry themselves a lot better. So what I would add in there is whilst you're building up your walking, so you're half an hour of walking your horse around to start. And that's that's also walking up and down hills, you know, over over terrain where they have to move and think and, and use their body and because and, that'll also strengthen their feet as well. So you're looking at strengthening their feet and their their their, their, their bones and everything by so so I think I think varied terrain is really important in in your building up of horses, not just going out and carrying a circle in you know one way and the other and then saying right my horse is getting fit because I've seen so many race horses that have been um, let, they've been super fast horses but broken down because of their feet and things like that because they're standing in stables, put out on a wet track, put back in stables. So and and then there's all these other issues that come from that.
So um, I think the walking and, and the trotting and then but while you're out there, while you're walking, back up over here, step over here, try and get that horse soft and using its body all the time so you're always putting performance in it. And then basically once you've sort of, then you might leg your horse up to, to, to a trot but in that, put transitions in it too. So you might trot, you know, for for, for, so, for you know maybe a minute, but then you might go trot, walk, trot, walk. So the horse is pushing off into trot, coming softly back into walk, pushing off into trot. So it's not just sort of hammering along at a trot. It's actually using uh, using its whole body and also its mind. The biggest thing is using the horse's mind all the time. So you're building a soft, supple horse that's also getting fit. You know, so I know trotting is one thing a horse can do a lot of kilometres and build a lot of fitness on, um, and then you might might do a little bit of canter, but that, that you know that's only really just to get a horse fit so you can go and maybe play a bit of polo on it, polo cross or whatever, and it's not going to just you know. But um, I think you have to look at what you're looking for in your horse and what you really want to do with it, and then look into the best possible regime, you know, fitness regime, I guess for 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 what you what you're going to do with it. But we used to do a lot of horse trekking and. I think the only thing that kept those horses fit was they used to run on, um, you know, about 2,000 acres of sort of hard hilly country, and they were ridden. Uh, they have time off, but then they, when they were ridden, they were ridden constantly to walk for a long time. Like, cause, cause basically a lot of horse tracking was, you know, a lot of walking, um, and then you'd have your walk trots and canters in sections. But but there's a lot of walking, so it was all that constant walking and and living out in an environment that, that kept them moving all the time because it wasn't like there was so much feed in one spot they had to move and use the whole property all the time. So Mark, when you were doing those horse tracks though, um, what what would you often look out for uh, when things went wrong? What were some of the indicators uh, that the horse was sore? Yeah, what were so the, big, the biggest sorenesses, um, the biggest, especially when it gets to carrying riders and stuff, so the loin, the lumbar region, through the hips, the hindquarter, um, the wither area along their back, you know, badly fitting stuff. That's where you'd find most of all your ailments. Um, so Mark often, when, uh, actually when they're cold in the morning as opposed to at the end of a yeah, ride, isn't yeah. it? He'll run, your, he'll run his, two, his fingers down either side of their spine, but you push quite hard. Yeah. Quite, sometimes you'll see them flinch, especially around the hip area. And that's a sign where the saddle has made Yeah, so, so when, when, when the saddle's causing muscle soreness or bruising down the down either side of their spine down um, you know the, the loin uh, the not just the loin down the back straps of the horse like either side of their spine um, so you're going down across there so any muscle soreness for the saddle sitting in certain pressures areas and things like that you'll feel them really flinch on either side of the spine and that's 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 a you've got to be really careful of that because that's that becomes like a bruising and then that that becomes a very deep bruising and that can really lame a horse for a long time so if you were thinking about getting your horse fit and it wasn't um fit so, so that's check why that I, every day you used to check that every day didn't you? yeah and that's the other thing is so you're not going to just go out and put put a you know if you just went out on your horse and did two hours of walking then on a horse you think well i'm only walking and it's like well hang on a minute that horse is walking carrying the weight of a person Moving so, so I think I think when you are building fitness in your horse, you're not doing long exposures on a on a younger or greener horse or 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 a very soft horse, uh, you know, one that's just been standing in a small paddock, because you've got to also take into account that they're carrying a weight on their back for that time, and that time carrying a weight, putting pressure pressure on soft muscles, is going to cause bruising and soreness. So, so uh, the 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 fitness also comes into building, you know. Shorter, shorter times at the start doing your walking and your trotting um, 
that the horse doesn't get tired carrying someone and they're, and they're not soft muscled that they get bruised from, from carrying that weight. So that, that their back has to strengthen too. So, and that's why I say everything you're doing in those, those start of those short, you know, walking and trotting and stuff at the start, it's shorter but you're putting lots of transition in it so the horse is constantly using its body and its mind and then it's strengthening and then it starts to learn to carry that weight more and then everything as everything slowly uh, gets gets harder and fitter um, then then the horse can carry more for longer but if you just sat on them and said well I'm only going to walk for five hours well they'll have a really sore back the next day and, that, and as Danny said the, the, the best time to check them is in the morning, you know, when they, in, yeah, an indicator when you go and catch your horse and it's kind of walking short up, up, then that's a real, real big indicator that your horse is kind of carrying a lot of soreness through its body. And that's when you go over all those areas. But uh, the shoulders, you know, down through the shoulders, you want to check those shoulders for any sore points or anything like that. Um, and the lumbar region along the back line, um, down the hips, down the sides of the, you know, hips, all through that, that lumbar down down through you know the, the um, from from where, where their spine meets their hip, you just work your way down to, to in front of the hips there, pressing in any spots there, and you'll find some real tweaky spots there, especially you know from carrying weight, especially the horses with the longer backs who sort of compensate a little bit, and and, and that's why you yeah you transition in it, and, and good quality backups and good quality steering and all that sort of thing has to add into it because it's the horse being more collected when it's doing things that helps it not get sore and that's why I think a horse has to be balanced um, not unbalanced so so the bit where I get a bit away from the endurance is, is like well I, I see a lot of endurance horses that are just hard and, and fit but they're just they're just all over the shop with they're putting their head up and stuff like that not all of them but um, and I don't think that's good for the horse I think I think them being softer carrying themselves better is much better so Katie, when you're doing your rides, um, just really quickly, um, when you're doing your rides, obviously you're increasing the length of time that you're out there for, um, or changing the train, making it harder. Rest days are also equally important, so um, you want your horse to come back and it's not too tired at the end of whatever you've been doing, you'll have to be the rest um, uh, person to judge, to judge that. Um, but having them come back happy is going to help you the next day when you go out, obviously. Um, and each time you're increasing, you're, you, they can only get fitter. Um, so it's going to happen. It's just going to make sure they're fit enough by the time whatever your deadline is for whatever your project is. Um, but yeah, just make sure they have when they do rest. Um, make sure those rest days really they do nothing. Um, that's certainly from my personal um, experience as well. Uh, emotional, emotional um, fitness. Um, so yeah, you don't want them sour, emotionally sour. So so yeah, too big, too early. And uh, that yeah, the horse the horse zones out for too many, too much time. So so that's important in the training. Great, thank you very much for Thanks your questions. Everybody. I hope that helps everyone. And uh, thank you for listening. Thank you. You can learn more from Mark online through his online training videos. Just search Mark Langley Horsemanship. There's over 380 training videos which everyone has access to with a seven-day free trial. If you like what you see, it's just fifteen dollars a month from there. That's help where you need it.